When I was the campus minister at Samford University, a student brought me a book and told me that he wanted me to read it. Here I was, the minister, and he gave me a book that profoundly changed me. I thought that was my job, to impart wisdom and make a difference in the lives of the college students on that campus. I had a barely two-year-old at home and a three-month-old. I was back at work, only three-quarter time, but still, it was an adjustment. It was a new job, a shift in plans while on maternity leave. We had moved to Birmingham when I was seven months pregnant with our first child. We had moved for Russ's job. It was a good move, but now we were seven hours away from family instead of one and a half hours in a city where we knew no one. I had hoped that maybe, maybe the church that hired Russ would hire me also. We had worked on the same church staff so well together before, but alas, the pastor just didn't think it was a good idea for a married couple to work together. Never works, he said. <laughs> Go figure. A few months after our first child was born, I found a job in something more akin to social work. It was a great experience for me. But then less than two years later, I was out on maternity leave again when this campus ministry job fell into my lap. I took it without hesitation. I think part of me was also trying to figure out how to stay in ministry outside of the church, just in case Russ and I didn't get the chance to work in the same church ever again. Thank you, Park Road. <laughs> so there I was in my new office trying to learn how to do yet another new job, leaving two sons in daycare, pumping milk, juggling all the things, all the things. Do you ever look back on pieces of your life and think, how did I do that? If I knew that that was what I had to do, I don't think I would have done it. And in the midst of all of that, a student brings me a book and asks me to read it. That's about the last thing I had time to do, was to read a book that some religious college kid thinks that I ought to read. I don't think I've ever had a book land in my hands at a better time. I think I was passing through the waters and walking through the flames when I read Henry Nouwen's book, Life of the Beloved. I have quoted this so many times in the last 21 years of preaching here, but some things just bear repeating, you know, like, there was a baby born in Bethlehem. We tell that story over and over. Well, Henry Nouwen's Life of the Beloved needs to be retold. It's the section that I've included on the front cover of today's bulletin that still to this day, some 23 years later, it stops me in my tracks. It's Nouwen's take on Isaiah 43, really. He says, aren't you like me hoping that some person, thing, or event will come along to give you that final feeling of inner well-being you desire? Well, you and I don't have to kill ourselves. We are the beloved. 
We are intimately loved long before our parents, teachers, spouses, children, and friends loved or wounded us. That's the truth of our lives. That's the truth I want you to claim for yourself. That's the truth spoken by the voice that says, you are my beloved. Listening to that voice with great inner attentiveness. I think Mallory kept talking about that pull. I think the way Nowen talks about it is listening to that voice with great inner attentiveness. I hear at my center words that say, I have called you by name from the very beginning. You are mine and I am yours. You are my beloved and on you my favor rests. I have molded you in the depths of the earth and knitted you together in your mother's womb. Wherever you go, I go with you and wherever you rest, I keep watching. Nothing will ever separate us. We are one. Here I was in, well into my career, juggling all the things, feeling so overwhelmed. And this young conservative whippersnapper college student comes to me and says, I think you need to read this book, Amy. And my eyes were open. Now and says, every time you listen with great attentiveness to the voice that calls you the beloved, you will discover within yourself a desire to hear that voice longer and more deeply. It's like discovering a well in the desert. Once you have touched wet ground, you want to dig deeper. The day that I read that something within me eased, not that I've not been out of sorts since then. Not that I've not been overwhelmed since then. Not that I've not had moments that I felt like I had more than I could handle since then. But I guess I've spent 23 years digging a little deeper in listening for the voice that calls me. Me, beloved. As I mentioned last week, Isaiah is speaking to a group of haggard people. They are tired, worn out, exhausted, tired, defeated, depressed. Having returned from a time of exile, life was difficult and disappointing and exhausting. One might think that returning to a homeland would be all bliss. One would be wrong if that is what one thinks. Prophetic voices can tend toward the warning and scolding side of things. But here in this beautiful section of what is known as Second Isaiah, the prophet is not filled with warnings over wrongdoing, but with encouragement to re-evaluate Judah's past and future. This section of Isaiah was composed for an exiled people in the mid-6th century BCE, just as the international tide is turning, just as the possibility of returning to the broken city of Jerusalem is reopening, this second Isaiah soars with inviting poetry of hope offering to pave the way homeward with confidence and expectancy. Of course, it's written in hindsight, which is how we most often understand the presence of God. 
In each of our callings, sometimes we need a good, stern warning. In each of our callings, sometimes we need a push. In each of our callings, sometimes we need to be told about justice and our work in it. Sometimes in our callings, we need a reprimand for our selfish ways. And sometimes we need somebody like Isaiah to acknowledge that we have passed through the waters and walked through the fire and that God has been with us every single step calling our name, beloved, you. You! Can you believe it? And with that kind of reminder, we may find within ourselves the ability to persevere. That's what I hear in this text from Isaiah, perseverance. It's what I hear in Mallory's story as a kid, as a college student, as a minister in her own church, as a public school professional, perseverance. And listen to her. She hasn't figured it out yet. She's a mom. She's supposed to know everything. No, we know nothing. Perseverance. That maybe, just maybe, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how many things we are juggling, no matter how overwhelmed we feel, that we will not be completely overwhelmed by the waters or consumed by the flames. We've started binging a new show. You know about pandemic binging, don't you? I'm actually binging two at one time. They're both British, and I feel like I'm practically speaking British right now. Am I? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm practically speaking British. You hear that? Well, it's an old show that somehow we've missed, but I tell you, it's one of the most beautiful and poignant shows we have ever seen. Once you are immersed in a text during a week, the text Isaiah this week for me, when it's especially that poetic kind of way of wording things like Isaiah 43, then everything you see and everything you hear speaks to that text. Well, last night, the episode was filled with tragedy and sadness, and it ended with this word of hope. A word of hope from a Jewish woman who had lost almost her entire family at the hands of Hitler, and years, years later, she said in the face of life's deepest challenge and pain, you just have to keep living until you feel alive again. You just have to keep living until you feel alive again. And I thought, that's what Isaiah said. Do not fear, I've redeemed you. I've called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. You just have to keep living until you feel alive again. 
So in all of your callings, may you hear that voice very clearly calling you precious and beloved. And may you simply want to dig deeper when you pass through every water and when you walk through every flame. May it be so. Amen.